Back once again, it's, uh, I don't even know what week we're up to anymore, I think it's 31 or 32, but uh, you know, we are getting close to the end of the year, so I will say this will be one of the uh, last episodes of this season. Um, Before we get started, I'll remind everyone to obviously click that subscribe, share, like, all that good stuff. Um, But yeah, today's a special one for me, Um, you know... uh, I started this podcast journey three, four years ago. Um, it, it, it's been a while in the making, and uh, my next guest was actually there from the original point of, I guess, the idea of even having a podcast. Um, and then, obviously, we, we shot a pilot, and nothing eventuated, and it's just been on that back roller for, for a few years yet, and here we are, and, and, and the podcast is now, as I say, 30, 30 odd weeks in, and uh, we're doing pretty well. But anyway, today's guest is a special guest. Um, we met when he was down under uh, as a guest coach for the Winter Warrior series. Um, you know, he's got a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the... Uh, the mixed martial arts scene. Uh, he's done it all. He was the, uh, I think it was the uh, first lightweight champion um, of the UFC. We're still all waiting for him to obviously be in the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, he goes by the name of Little Evil, but his motto is "Dude, be nice" or "Be kind." Uh, I, I, I talk about none other than uh, Little Evil himself, Jens Pulver. How have you been, and what have you been up to? I'm up to about five, seven and a half, you know, um, but I've been good, man. I've been real good. Just, you know, I'm still a short, I'm a short man. Uh, no, I've been good. Uh, you know, it's just been a weird year, I guess, right now. But, you know, ever since, yeah, we were just talking about how you and I were just talking a minute ago, just how this whole thing came about, which is really cool, you know, because I forgot. I forgot about, you got to go back. You know, I still think about my time over there or down under, you know, doing the Whipped Warrior, and it was it was so cool. Me and cousin Jimmy still talk about it a lot, you know, and of course, Irish Gavin, I love him to death. Tiago, you know, made some real, you know, I would consider family at this point. And just talking about, remember when I, I mean, at one point I was even driving, you know, so <laughs> I'm on the wrong side of the car, driving on the wrong side of the road and, you know, but it was a lot of fun. So no, it's glad, I'm glad to finally be able to catch up and sit here and be able to do this podcast with you again, which is really cool, man. Just be able to, you know, sit and do a time. But, you know, everything's been good. I just, you know, uh, now nah, everything's been good. You know, I'll break into all the details here in a minute. But, you know me, I can talk a lot, so. Well, I mean, that, that that's the perfect thing for a podcast, though, right? We need someone that can talk. <laughs> but, like, listen, what, what have you been up to? Because I, I, I know when you were down here um, – Obviously, you you were still considering having another bout. I remember that was like in discussions for a little while, and uh, I, I think that fell through. I, I'm not sure what happened there, but I remember for because I remember you and Tiago doing you know your laps in I think it was curl curl and yeah. in, in, in the water and stuff, and you were like quite serious about taking another fight. Um, but you know, and then obviously you ventured back um, to the state side. Uh, I remember uh, I, I wanted to catch up with you at one stage, but you were in Seattle at the time when I was in Vegas and stuff like that. And then I think you've been back yeah. once since then. Um, and and I know that you're doing a lot of twitching right now, 
which is which is kind of kind of weird because I still haven't got on the Twitch scene yet. Like, um, yeah. So, what what is it that you've been up to? Well, I mean, the first thing when it comes to um, it's ironic how I retired from fighting. It's and I didn't make no big stink about anything, but I used to promise my wife all the time I would quit chewing. You know. Copenhagen I had that I had a horrible habit of chewing when I was a fighter and I always told my wife I promise you the day I stop fighting I'm done I'll, I'll quit chewing like that and I was actually coming back to visit in Australia and I was like you know I looked down I had when I landed in Australia I got to the hotel and I was looking through looking through and I was running low on snooze right I was running low on chew and I'm like Where's the rest of? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. What what? Okay, well, I called my wife, said, Hey, would you flip open the freezer? Log a chew, you know, there's a, a log. She's like, Yep, there it is. I was going, Well, guess what? I guess I'm retired, dumped out the last four and went cold turkey and never touched it again. So I just retired on the spot because evidently in Australia it's not that easy to just go to the gas station and buy, you know, get a can of chew. It just doesn't work that way. Cigarettes, possibly. Chew, no can do. So I'm not going to go running around. So luckily, dealing with the jet lag and everything like that, I couldn't tell if I was going through quote-unquote withdrawals or whatever it was, but I just quit, never looked back, and never fought again. So it was kind of – so Australia, once again, saved me in that aspect was I was down there, you know, and literally forgot my chew, ran out and had to go cold turkey and quit, never fought again, and, you know, and that was the one thing. And what happened after that is I started really – trying to fill that void and I try to tell anybody but you know it's like find something that you're passionate with I think you see a lot of people that have to retire from something they've been doing their entire life and you know one of the things that I missed more than anything was the interacting with the fans meeting people doing stuff like that and you know one day my friends were like you know you should try twitch because I love playing video games I'm a big fan of pcs and stuff like that so I just jumped on and I was playing video games for probably I'm about six months in, and then one day my moderator had to leave. And so I was like, all right, well, I don't want to sit here and game by myself. It's like, someone may, give me a someone give me a video. And then I started watching parkour fails, laughed, and then some said, Hey, I just did an amateur fight. Would you watch it? I'm like, yeah, give me your so they sent it in. And so then I sat there and just broke it down and bitty, it just it it was born. I started watching fights, breaking them down, sharing knowledge. People that amateur fighters can bring me theirs. I joined, you know, this group called Street Beefs, a bunch of amateur fighters doing exhibition-style fighting. And we can get into that in a minute because I know I've got a big, long answer. But the one thing was I kind of found a home in Twitch. It gave me that thing that I was missing, the interacting with people still feeling quote unquote relevant, right? And you see how a lot of people, they have that when, when they retired, everything gets quiet. They don't know, it's like, what do I do with myself now, right? And that's the thing is I found this stream and it was made for me. People always talk about being a commentator, being an analyst, you know, things like that. Well, Twitch became my platform. And so, yeah, I've been, I think I'm on my third year now. And then I started joining up and now I do the twitch.tv slash UFC. So I do the UFC streams um, as well. And we're going to be doing fight companions with that. So, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, taken off. So, and and with with the Twitch stream, the uh, the street beasts you you mentioned, what what's the deal with those? Are they like organized? Are they actually legal uh, fights, or are they just yeah. like backyard brawls that are actually 
Because because I, I I see obviously that you you break them down and and I know Lorenz when he goes down to LA he always puts them on his uh, IGTV as well where they're just like hay hay bales right. Or no, yep. your ones even have like kind of a cage around. Some we yeah. have a fence. Some have tire. I've seen some have tires. Some have just a like a, a janky rope. Some have like a, a a weak ring. But these guys, street beefs, they have a cage. So basically, what happened was someone sent me some fights to watch because now I'm like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna watch videos and break down fights. And it, one of the things was, I got to start watching old classics of boxing. And stuff like that because now I'm on it. And so I, a lot of the time when I was in my fighting career, I didn't get to pay attention to the greats. You know what I mean? And then this was all of a sudden now I became diving down these YouTube rabbit holes and seeing all these things that I've just been. I never messed around with it too much. You know what I mean? I was so almost anti-social media because everything, you know, the negativity, the positivity, you know, the good, the bad, all that being in the, in the limelight, the spotlight, all that stuff. I kind of dipped away from it. But one of those things was all of a sudden now I get to go back and I get to watch these fights. But man, I remember this fight. I remember this. I always wanted to see this one. So it allowed me to start really paying my respects and catching up to the fight world. And so I'll sit there and break them down and watch them. Cause you know, you can't just bootleg it. So you have to be, it's like, I tell everybody and it's ironic. I, and I'm just doing this just as a plug, but I'll pull this up and I'll say, they're like, how can you watch fights? And do I go, cause I got a PhD in this. This is what I do. I don't, you know, like you can be a great writer, a great chef, a great, you know, and you can be teaching people how to cook. You'd be great at, you know, uh, doing things on the computer, great at graphics, great at building songs, sounds, all this stuff. And people want to see that. Well, I have a PhD in violence and, you know, in combative sports. And so that's why people are like, well, how can you do it? So that was it. Anyway, when they showed me street beefs, I was like, oh my, this is me. I go, oh my God, this is unreal. I love this because I was that kid when I was growing up that had the boxing gloves and would box my friends in the garage or in the backyard in the grass, you know what I mean? And we'd have time limits and stuff like that. And But it's a, it was a great way to get, you know what I mean? It was so much fun and I mean, I loved it. And then I see these kids doing this and now here's the deal. We do have a judge. We do have, I mean, we have a ref, we have a timer, we have two people in the cage, we have a medic, you know what I'm saying? So it is organized, but they like the, the aesthetics of having it outside like they've tried to put them inside and people just aren't into that they like that rugged look so we have the cage they fight in the dirt but what it did was what i started watching were these kids coming in a few of them it did start out as a beef you know it's like think about it like this someone that you have a legit someone like a bully or someone that's picking on you, you say oh yeah well guess what we're gonna meet in this cage and we're gonna do it on this day at this time you know what makes everybody nervous to see you've been through this, that accountability, that date and knowing that they have this much time to plan for you and you get to plan for them. It's the easiest thing in the world to go to a bar, get pasted. Someone says something, you don't even have time to think about it. That's easy. And that's what I tell everybody is once you start doing this, now you see people coming back and they're like, oh my God, they do this and they want to come back and do it again. So it, it literally became a fight club. And now they're training themselves and they're staying out of trouble. You know what I mean? And now they have this place. And what I tell everybody is this is once you get in there and do this, and you'll know this better than anybody. Once you go in and fight like that, it, it, it becomes a game. It's no longer 
like what they put in the movies. It's no longer fighting. It's a game. And that's why you have to level up. You have to train. You have to get yourself into the gym. And there's certain levels of the game. But more than anything, there's accountability. And the fact that you can do that out there on this cage and they're videoing this. And now you have to worry about it going on YouTube and half a million to 20 million people can watch this thing and they get to have comments. Those the accountability that makes you more like a pro fighter than anything else is that accountability. So when I seen that, that's what made me such. I mean, I'm like, I think there should be a street beefs everywhere. It started out as a beef. You know, I mean, a few people, they wanted to solve their beef and not have 10 people jumping in and stuff like that. And then it just kind of it, it just spiraled into this fight club. And it's keeping these kids. People are like, well, why don't you go to a gym? And why don't you become a pro? They don't want to. Maybe they can't afford gym memberships. Maybe they don't want to do something like that. Maybe, like I said, we're a bunch of little thugs. We like to fight, talk smack. But with the accountability, we don't want to get jumped and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they can go from this and one day become a Masvidal. You know what I mean? Straight out the backyard. But so I have to be careful on Twitch. It does because of TOS. I can't do street fights and I will not do street fights. I won't do those felon fights, things like that. I'll do it when it has an organized cage a timer, a ref, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's, and they put on the gloves and, and it's, it's, or, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot more um, planned out and taken care of. It's a lot more organized. And, and just to clarify, cause what's, what's a TOS? Terms of service. And so in Twitch, you have to be careful when it comes to violence, blood, you know, things like that. You can't just show like you can't glorify. And that's the one thing is because I have a PhD in fighting, I'm I'm pausing because the other thing you can't do, especially on Twitch, is I can't just grab somebody's content and just hit play and sit back and just watch it for 45, you know, and all of a sudden now I'm now I'm bootlegging your copyrighted material. So you, what I do is I stick in the fight game because that's again, I'm pa I pause a lot. I'm literally known as the pause king and I start breaking things down because you have to make it your content based on what they have. Right. And so that's, and then I have people always saying, Hey, can you watch my show? Can you watch my show? And now, like I said, now I'm on the dang, I'm on Twitch TV slash UFC and we're watching fight pass all the time and breaking down fights and getting ready for like, for example, this coming Friday, I'll be getting ready for UFC 256. So we're going to watch a lot of the co-main, you know, the main and the co-main event fights. We'll break things down, get everybody fired up, ready. Saturday, I'm sitting down with Chris Weidman and a guest. I can't say who yet, a Twitch guest. And we're starting our first Twitch TV UFC um, fight companion. And then on Monday, I'm on Twitch Sports. I'm on Twitch UFC. We go on the Twitch Sports page and then we just kind of do a recap of what happened throughout the weekend. So like I said, it's really just taking this, intertwining of craziness but it's like i said the biggest thing was with street beefs that is still the level for me when i was retired from fighting it's i love this because these are the kids that are trying to stay out of trouble you know little alpha male she males just kind of want to mess it up and you know what i mean but they don't want to go to jail they don't want to accidentally you know what i mean they don't want to be fighting on the street they don't want to get in trouble but they want to just have this and to see them come out and all of a sudden they wear their own little uniforms and they get their gloves and they're training in their backyard they're having their friends but it's holding them accountable and it's keeping them out of trouble and again what they're learning it proves my point is the day i started fighting was the day i stopped fighting you know what i mean so do they actually get split up into weight classes as well or, or, or not it doesn't go that far no they put them up well what they do do is everybody goes gets on the scale probably fully clothed whatever and we go between probably 10 15 20 pounds because honestly out of shape you know what i'm saying a lot of them that's the first thing you find when you start watching these fights conditioning 
Don't even pay attention to the skills of it all because the skills can be adjusted, but conditioning, right? And you know how it is in street fights. It's 30 seconds. Everybody's adrenaline and everybody wants to throw up, get sick. God knows what happens. So that they're out there doing two-minute rounds, two, three two-minute rounds. The fact that 20-pound difference, that's kind of how we have to do it. We can't have everybody literally sitting there doing, you know, within five pounds. Not everybody's sitting there in their underwear and cutting weight three days before. I mean, we're not, this is just an exhibition. And like I said, I'm just a spokesperson of it because, and again, and no, no money whatsoever involved, period, point blank, no gambling, no nothing. Nobody's getting paid. And in fact, they make sure to say that, right? But the one thing, what again, I love is I think it should be in every city everywhere because these kids sit there and they jump each other and they do all these bougie things to each other and then you get that kid that's so scared of fighting that he's got to go get a gun and he's got to go in and he's got to do something horrible because he's so scared of because we have this myth and this thing about fighting in the movies where it's to the death and people are so you know 10 people jumping you until you've got like a you're lifeless you know and that's the thing is once they learn how to do this all of a sudden it's not the scary scary devil that everybody thinks it is it's a game just like anything else, it's a game and they love it and they come back. And so they can, and above all, they start to build confidence enough that you can walk away. If somebody sits there and calls you, oh, you chicken shit, you put, you know what I mean? And you little punk. And they're like, well, how dare you? But see now inside they know, yeah, you can just meet me in the yard. You know what I mean? Meet me in the, the Satan's backyard. They call it. Meet me at, meet me at street beefs and hold yourself accountable. Well, I'll meet you next week. That whole week, you see what I'm saying? It takes a lot, but that's what's scary when you're getting ready to fight and you know that somebody else knows your game plan. And then that day when you go out there, because you know this, you put on the lights, you bring in a you bring in a crew of people and an unfamiliar face and above all, a camera that's recording it all and holding you accountable. It changes the entire narrative. It changes the game. I mean, it is. It's We live in a different world. I was just about to say, does it kind of remind you of your childhood uh, growing up. And because I read somewhere that obviously before you got into fighting, say professionally, you did sort of fight in a, in an unsanctioned fight club, fight. right? Um, yep. So oh, I fight unsanctioned. Yeah. So obviously it, it kind of rings a little bit of your kind of childhood and you can kind of relive that by watching these guys. The only difference I would say is when we were younger, there wasn't so many cameras. Yes, no, and that's the one thing. Well, that and I, I think as a youngster, thank God for there was no social media because I think I'd have been a YouTube sensation probably my sophomore year because even to this day they still talk about this church fight that I did, which everybody back home in Seattle when they see, it's still to this day, it, it's still one of the biggest things. So thank goodness, you know, I, it, it was one of those movie esque moments where more people showed up to this church than were at school that day. It was, you know, and the, the circle of cars, I mean, <laughs> whatever it is. But the point is, yes, you know, and that's the one thing, again, with the accountability and all the cyberbullying and all the things that happen and kids this day and age, they have it so tough because all I had to do was go home and just don't answer the phone. You know what I mean? And that was it. And you didn't have, there wasn't PC, there wasn't all this, but now there's, you, you just can't escape it. You just can't get away from it, you know, and it's the one thing is, so now we get back in this, you have to learn how to be your own best friend. You have to learn to be able to shine, just like no one's going to mess with my shine and learn how to just turn the other cheek because they can hit you with anonymity. They can hit you on any chat form or, you know what I mean? They can hit you anywhere. 
And, you know, that's one thing is everybody now can just reach out to you. And if it really does affect you, it's harsh, right? So these youngsters just need to learn. That's why I'm saying, again, it'd be beautiful to have this in this place. Like, you know, is, um, you know, and and again, it's where they can just show up and do this. I I love the Wimp the Warrior prospects because, again, but that's more going into a fighting realm and you're taking months to train. See, we're not even to that level yet. These are just people that literally they just want to find out what they think about it. You know what I mean? And above all, getting somebody and having that accountability. If you really want to fight me, show up to the yard. Show up and that otherwise be quiet. And that's, you know what I mean? So the ones that do do that, you know, they have a lot to it. And, they, and again, you know, and it, but you get kids in the backyard. But I literally was that kid before I started fighting. When you tell everybody back home, yeah, he became the UFC world champion. We don't have to tell him, but, you know, like, of course he did. Because I was that person. I grew up abused. I grew up in violence. I grew up, you know, in a bad situation. And then I started wrestling. So again, having that wrestling, which is like Teddy Atlas said, it was like a close second cousin to boxing. Um, and I quote that because it was my, and when I was boxing on ESPN, he, you know, it was a close second cousin, but that one-on-one competition, that's the other part, which you know what I'm saying. When it comes to the teammate aspect, you see a lot of people, rip their helmet off, do whatever they can to stand out, you know what I mean, from the rest of the team for a second. And they're always trying to showboat and makes everybody mad. See, the difference is when you do what we do, you're not a you're not on a team trying to be an individual. You're an individual trying to be on a team. I can't wait to be next to my partners. You know what I'm saying? And when I do lose a fight, I'm first thing I'm doing is apologizing to my teammates, my coach, my my cornerman, the people that I'm with, my fans, my friends, my family, the people that even put on a pulver t-shirt, right? And that's, again, when you start changing that game. But getting out there and doing that one-on-one competition, that's the only way that you can show everybody how much I love you, just by training hard, working hard. You know what I'm saying? And that there's a lot to that. You build. There's a lot built inside of you knowing that you can do that. And like I said, you're an individual trying to be on a team and the camaraderie about that. I mean, think about it. Like you and I, we met do something like this, knowing at one point you're going to have to go out there by yourself. And your friends are like, I can't believe you did that. Oh my goodness, that was so crazy. Yeah, no, you got to try it. They're like, no, that's so unheard of. No, really, it's okay. Give it a whirl. Now imagine having that opportunity back in like, you know, and well, not even in high school, but just after high school, you know, because I'd rather they all get through school. But if you, again, if there's a beef, tell your friends, just try it. And again, take away that mystique of, oh my gosh, it's so taboo. It's so deadly. No, it's not that deadly. But like in anything, the minute you get in your car and leave the house, there's no guarantee you're coming back. You know what I mean? It's kind of demonic or whatever, but that's a fact. So when you do get in that cage, there's no quote unquote guarantee you're going to come out of it, but that's in any, right? You don't think about it, but all it takes is one punch or, but that's why we train and get ready. And so hopefully what they learn, I know it's a long answer, but hopefully what they learn by doing something like this is once you learn that fighting is a game, well, it takes a lot of skills. It takes a lot of conditioning. It takes a lot of repetition. It takes a lot of boredom, a lot of boring, lonely, quiet hours to do what we've done, right? 100%. And and I totally agree with the fact that, um, you know, they. the one thing I love about fighting is that it's in a controlled environment, right? And as you say, there's no guarantees, but, you know, what what you can guarantee is that if your opponent is getting beat, he ain't going to run off and bring 20 of his homies, right? Or Well, that's 100%. Or, 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 or run off and bring a knife or run off and get a gun. You know, like that, that, that's the thing because 
you know, even going back to high school now, like I remember the amount of times you'd have like a, a, a playground fight and then, you know, one person will get their, their licks and then they'll be waiting after school, but they'll have a weapon. And it's like, why does it have to go there now? Like, just take your licks, you know, fight another day. Like it just well, and that's it. Well, that, and the other thing is, well, the other thing is not to cut you off. The other thing is this: is the five homies that are sitting there now. See, everybody is scared to do that initial that initial fight. But then once everything starts getting built up, now you've got the cowards that like to sit back and wait. Nobody's looking, and they'll hit you and they'll taste you with the shot when you're not looking. Then they think they're gangster. You've got people that are so scared they'll throw things. I mean, look at all these chicken. Like there's a lot of people going off right now, you know, in our country, especially they, I think the, the Tifa or whatever they call them, people are just cheap shotting, but that's what happens in street fights. That's what happens is somebody that probably wasn't even in the fight got to look over and say, like, oh yeah, well, no one's looking and they start sucker punching and this, and again, there's no accountability. You never know who you're fighting. And that's why I tell people all the time, stay off the streets. There is no such thing as street fighting because there was a kid that, you know, he was just defending his girlfriend in the bar and someone stepped him and he shot in on a takedown picked him up and slammed him down thought it might have been the safe thing to do my man hit the concrete and died and he he was looking at he's looking at eight years right and it's like i don't know him personally it's just a story that i'd heard but my point is that's the thing and i tell you there is nothing good that comes from fighting on that concrete nothing good comes from street fighting because those cowards are always going to be cowards those those people that sit there and talk all that mess they're always going to talk that mess and if there's not a if there's a way that if you don't know how to block that and again having something like like i said i stopped fighting the day i started fighting, it's like oh yeah just show up to practice. If you really think you can do what I do, show up and spar because I'm confident in what I'm doing. I'm confident where I'm at. And that's the thing. You think about it as a youngster, all of a sudden, all your friends have to stand back outside of the cage, watch you go in there and and, and, and defend your quote unquote honor or, you know what I mean? And you guys fight it out, but nobody can jump in because that's usually what happens. Once the initial fight happens, you already know this. Then people go diving in. Then people go jumping in. And now all of a sudden, everybody's gangster for like two minutes. And you know what I'm saying? And that's what happens. And that's the other reason why there was a ring or a cage is none of your home, nobody can jump in. And it's like, it's really funny because it's like, well, now you can't talk mess because hop in here and do it. And above all, what they learn more than anything is how to shake hands and drop it. Like you said, most of the time what happens if somebody gets clowned, their feelings get hurt. They feel like they've been belittled. They feel like they got to they gotta get themselves back because two or three of their friends that wouldn't jump into that fight are going, hey, Man, if that was me, I'd do this. Well, if that was me, I'd, mm, you know what I'm saying? Mm, if I, I would do, all right, man, now you got to take this gun. You got to have to get him back. You got to do something. Or, God forbid, not even do the gun, they get a bat. Or, God forbid, they get a stick or they get, gla- you know what I mean? They get five people and they just dust you because there's no such thing as ending it. See, the difference is with that accountability and things like that is now you have, you have a group. You have people that are looking out for you because you went in there and you did it. You understand the camaraderie behind that. Once a wimp to warrior, always a wimp to warrior. Because then you've got hundreds of people that you can. I mean, once a fighter, always a fighter in MMA. Because you got hundreds and you know people, boxers, any of that that they all understand your plight. They know what you've done. But see, that's the one thing is you start to develop that. But above all, like I said, is you can feel good and everybody knows that it's a shake hands. And now you realize how much respect. You just garnered win, lose, or draw. What do we say all the time? You got in there. At the end of the day, 
you got in there. And that's what you get to take away from it. That's a win-win. There is no really a loss. There's an ending to the fight. Yes, but the fact that both of you were willing to get in there and solve it like, quote, unquote, men or, you know I mean, women or, you know what I'm saying, like individuals and just to have that moment, do what you got to do. And then, you know what I mean? Oh, but real quick, the other thing is, though, is think about it. Usually by having that amount of time to think about it, now all of a sudden it's like, maybe it's not that big of a beef. Maybe I'm not that mad, but when it's stuck, when you're caught in the moment, then it's like, oh my goodness, this is horrible. Oh my, you know what I'm saying? You don't have time to think. That's the other thing that street fighting causes and alcohol and, you know what I mean? All the social, everything going on around you, people chipping in and stuff like that is, but see, when you start to have that accountability, it's like, maybe I'm not that mad. You know what I'm saying? It takes a lot to get in there and do that when you know that people are coming in there and there's cameras and everything. So again, I think it's something that should be. And and, and the other thing is just like what we do in Whip to Word, I'm not teaching you. I'm not promoting violence. Violence is already here. What I'm trying to promote is that this is an actual sport there's a lot of legitimate and there's a lot of life lessons. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of soul searching. You become a better person. And like I said, you can definitely wimp to warrior has been a great aspect of that, which is you can, you, you gain something because you, you no longer fear this, this, this demon behind you, this fighting proud, you know what I mean? This scary. And now all of a sudden it's not so, it's like, yeah, no, I'm good. You know what I mean? Oh, you can call me what you want, but I'm secure in who I am. Right. So, but in that youngster world, that's the level that we really need. You know what I mean? Even adults, like you look at the way this day and age, you look at people. I, I've now seen, I always thought we got older and more mature. You know, as we got older, we got more mature. That's a hell no. I'm starting to witness so many things nowadays with this pandemic, with, with I'm not even going to get into it all, but it's, I've never seen, evidently you just, those kind of people will exist till the day you die. So you just learn how to be, just learn how to be wholesome, learn how to be, you know what I mean? You're good in yourself and you can just turn the cheek without feeling like you're a quote unquote B I T C H for doing it. Right. So let me ask you this. What, what originally got you to turn to fighting? Because obviously now as well, you know, like the, the sport has developed and, and you know, a lot of people see the wow factor now too. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it is, as they would like to say, mainstream or, or it's getting close to being mainstream now, right? Like you, you, it's on every week. Oh, you know, UFC like, is mass. And, and, and that's what I mean. So like, you know, and, and even with the Wimp to Worry, you know, a lot of people, you know, they watch it on a weekly basis and they're like, I'd like to give that a shot. Obviously, when you started, it wasn't like that, right? Like they're, 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 they're so, so what was it in your beginnings that, that really got you to turn I guess, to fighting? Well, it was after like, wrestling. Like I said, wrestling saved my life. There was, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Wrestling, hey, well, that was the accountability, that one-on-one -on -one going out there wrestling, and I could show my coaches how hard I worked, how hard I trained, and I could see the smile on my mother's face. I could see, you know what I mean, the, the pride in my brothers and my sister and stuff. You know, when we'd go out there and we were wrestling and competing, and I just didn't want that to end. I was in love with the idea of that one-on-one. -on -one. Then all of a sudden I was like, you know, but I wasn't the greatest wrestler. And it was so small to be at that top level to make a legitimate living out of wrestling. It's like, oh, dear Lord. But then all of a sudden this UFC came along 
And I'm seeing all these old school wrestlers like, hey, 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 I can do this. Because I always felt like if we could just add in some fists with this wrestling, I might be a little better than when I'm just wrestling, right? And um, So that's exactly what happened. And yes, we'd have to fight in gymnasiums. We'd just show up to people's gyms, you know. Sometimes I remember I put up a ring and would just get anybody to fight me for, for videotape. I literally, the old VHS camera, throw it up on the shoulder, look through the big eye hole. VHS to Blu-ray, my friend was so zoomed in, all I could see basically was like our two butt cheeks. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so zoomed in, you can't even see the fight. So then I had to literally do a fight like a week later with somebody else so that I could get videotape. So I used to tell people, I used to fight for videotape, right? And that was, <laughs> seriously. And, but for me is. I was addicted to that because that one-on-one -on -one competition, I, I mean, I loved it. And I loved, again, that's the best way I can make my coaches proud, but I can see the smile on my mom's face, you know, and, and I just wanted to give my mom and my family something to smile about after, you know, we grew up in an abusive world and it was just one of those things that that's how I knew that that's what I was going to do. That's what was going to happen for me. That's what was going to, I wanted to, you know what I mean? That's how I was going to change my name. That's how I wanted to take this into that next level. And I, like I said, I literally grew up in violence and, you know, I had a shotgun shoved in my mouth when I was five years old. And then my dad told me I wasn't worth the bullets and it beat me at the back of the gun. You know what I mean? So I, I, when I say I grew up, I did. And, you know, with wrestling, it helped me tame it in. Like I remember Van Tresco, dude, you got to get these kids into wrestling. Dear God, Marlene, you know, my mom's name, you got to get these kids wrestling. Good Lord. You know, they're little, they're little heathens. And uh, so, but that was the idea, that one-on-one -on -one competition. And then when wrestling ended, I was like, well, what am I going to do now? I want to keep doing this. And sure enough, I just started fighting. One punch led to another punch to, you know what I mean? Going down to California, California, I met Bob Shamrock and, you know, and he's like, we got to do this. I was in my first UFC and, you know, and then I headed, I went out to Iowa and moved out there and became the world champion. And it's just changed my entire life. And, but, you know, above all, the only reason why I kept doing it was I just wanted to make my mom proud. You know, my, my name is Jens Pulver. My father's name was Jens Pulver. And, you know, Bob Shamrock said it best when I tried to change my name. He said, oh, you're not going to change your name because I wanted to be Jen Shamrock. I literally, I'm like, I want to be Jen Shamrock. And he goes, you're not going to change your name. You're just going to change what it means. And I was like, all right. You know what I mean? So now I changed what Jen's Pulver meant, at least to my family, to myself and the people that knew us. And so that's what I set out there to do. I set out there to, you know, one punch at a time to change my name. And off I went and the, the story that, you know, I mean, the things that have happened from that, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And also on your record, uh, you, you've had boxing matches as well, right? So you've had, uh, I think, four yeah. boxing matches. Was that, um, as you said, you were a wrestler. Did you do the boxing before the mixed martial arts? Was that like kind of to add the ha to add the hands or, or how, how did that all happen? Yeah, it was, no, it was to add the hands. It was called, it, his name was Dwayne Ludwig. Dwayne Ludwig showed me that I need to work on my boxing. My man piped me with the right hand. I don't remember. And this is after being the UFC world champion and everything else. And he hit me with the right hand. I don't remember it. I don't remember. They're like, well, what do you remember in the fight? I'm like, ding, ding. Are you serious? I go, yeah, that's all I remember is ding, ding. I don't. And then he blasts me with the right hand. You know what I mean? Boss shooting in his corner. I was out, but I was fighting for like a minute, 45 seconds. I have no idea what I was doing. No clue. And then he hit me with the hook rolled underneath and see, but I was always into boxing. I boxed with everybody, but I didn't really, then me and Robbie Lawler, I started sitting back watching boxing, 
watching the movement, watching Tyson, watching Cesar Chavez, you know what I mean? Pernell Whitaker, rest in peace. You know, all these great fighters watching their footwork, watching a young Evander Holyfield, you know what I mean? Like a Michael Moore when he was younger, things like that. And I really got into boxing. And then, of course, because I was already a, a pro MMA fighter, they wouldn't let me do amateur. And I didn't want to have to, you know, get it. So I was like, well, I might as well. Because, again, you need to have that live crowd, that unfamiliar face, and get out there and have that accountability. So I just went pro. It's like, yeah, might as well. It all just kind of work in my hands, which I think it might have, it was a good thing and a bad thing because after a while, because, again, where the sport was and I was always trying to be exciting, everybody kind of booed with the way I would just wrestle, control everybody, break down their offense, destroy what they were doing, became a dominant world champion, you know what I mean? And then – um, that was the one thing was, but everybody thought that was so boo boring. Like this was back in the day where if you shot a takedown, half the crowd booed. They were still tough man people, right? So it was one of those things where like, well, I'll tell you what, I want to work on my hands. And then I became too addicted to it. Cause the minute you go out there and just, what you mean? I can end this fight in 10 seconds. I've been fighting these guys for 25 minutes with all this wrestling and everything. All I got to do is go out there and land one of these. All right. And then as I got older, it's like, hey, you know, it's probably time to stop throwing those hands like that and start grabbing a hold of people and becoming the backpack again. But I couldn't get out of it because I am who I am. You know what I'm saying? But so that's I definitely I had to go pro because Dwayne Ludwig taught me real quick with that knockout. I was like, well, I got I to work on my hands a lot more than I thought I did. So do you remember the first walkout? Like, do you remember the, the the feelings and the emotions that ran through you when, like, when you went for that first, say, UFC bout? Is that something that sticks with you, or not really? Oh no, I remember. I remember to a T. Like I said, I never forget. I'll never forget the John Lewis walkout because I was so hurt. I was I was so beat up. I was. I had a really bad injury because. Uh, Dean Thomas actually in a WF hit me at the inside heel hook and just smashed my leg, just ripped it, broke it. And I, um, and I limped around on it and it made my sciatic nerve roll back and it ended up becoming the worst thing in the world. Um, I could barely walk. And it was one of those things. I'll remember this probably literally, I'll never forget it. I remember walking in there, you know, and all fired up, ready to go and Militich grabbing my gloves, man. And he just said, look, you got your team. And your friends in your right hand, he goes, you got your mother, your family in your left hand, all the things that you've been through in your life. He goes, you go out there and you just hit this kid so hard. You know what I mean? Because I couldn't mess around. If he pushed me, I'd have fell over. I was so hurt. He's like, you have to do this. You have to go out there and you have to hit him with that left hand right now. You know what I mean? And there was no, because back then there wasn't enough fights. There was no not taking the fight. That's an impossibility. There's not a UFC every weekend. You'd be lucky if there was six in a year. So I'm not going to – and they're trying to create this new weight class. So there's no way I'm not going to do this fight. And, I mean, I again, I sit there and I think about it. There's no – I can't describe to you all how bad I was hurt. But I never got out of the bed except to cut weight, and I did it in silence. We moved the mats, and all we did was drill the left hand. Boom, boom. He hits me with the jab, left hand, jab, left hand, over and over. And then I went out there. I remember the conversation. I remember, you know – that whole thing right there. It's kind of like I said in the documentary, take the plunge. It's literally like the deep breath. You're sitting back there, you're watching everything happen. You're hearing the crowd and everything like that. And it's like, no turning back now. You know what I mean? Just take the plunge. You go out that door, the crowd goes, you go through the curtain, the crowd's going crazy. The music's playing. You can't just not show up now. I mean, but there's a party like, oh, 
Wait, do, do I got a sniffle? Am I sick? I think I think I'm sick. Wait, is my ankle hurt? Wait, are you sure? I don't know. But you know, you can't do that. But in your mind, you're like, mm, don't do this, don't do this. And then, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you go out there, don't get any easier. But I remember, like I said, Militich literally sitting there saying, you know, you got your family, you got your team right here, but you got your family right here, man. You got your, all the everything you've been through, all the things you did, just go out there and blast him. You know what I mean? And and like I said, it's not to keep bringing up, you know, with John, but that was, I mean, I'll never forget that because there was, everybody was nervous in the locker room. Everybody was nervous because they knew how hurt I was, but no, it's like nobody, won. I refuse to have that quiet locker room. I can't stand a quiet locker room. Everybody's like sitting there. It's like, dude, I'm not going to the morgue. I'm not dying. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why do we got to sit here and be all quiet? And like, can't we laugh and have a good time? But all the work has been done. We've already trained for three, four, five months. There, there is no, if you're sitting in that locker room wishing you to ran a few more sprints or wishing you to did a few more push-ups or another round, you're in trouble. That means you're in a bad place and you shouldn't have been there in the first place. But if you literally know and you have that comfort, there's one thing I'll always know. And that's why I'm so adamant about conditioning is I knew this, no matter what's about to happen, I'm literally in the best shape of my life. I pushed myself as hard as I possibly can. And even though the nerves are right there racing with the, the reality and nerve, you know, oh, oh, you know what I mean? But you always have that comfort going, I did everything I can do. And as long as you have that, and that's the one thing, you know what I mean? So we have a good locker room, have fun, everybody hanging out. We're not going to a funeral for crying out loud. Let's do this. And off we go. And that's what I'm saying is I loved having Matt Hughes, Jeremy Horn, Militich, all my MFS crew, you know what I mean? Fricklin, I love him to death. Medina, you know what I mean? I'm going to start leaving out names. Big Tim, Sylvia, and all of my MFS crew. You know what I mean? Jeremy Horn, having all those people with me, man, that's my family. And and we just, I just want to sit down and have fun. My baby brother, Abel, who was with me from the first fight I did in Boise to the end of my career, you know what I mean? And, and every time you just get everybody, you get out there and, it's like, all right, man, to give everybody a hug. And then it's, then again, the part that I love the most, it's you time to step into that cage. And it's you that get to show everybody how much you love and appreciate it by just putting on, by going out there and, and trying to perform to the best of your abilities. Things happen all the time in the fight, but that's what I tell people, your heart and your conditioning, that's on you. And if, as long as you went out there and your heart was in the right place and your conditioning was through the roof, Every, there, you, there is no losing. Yeah, I mean, yes, a an official win or loss, but to you, to your family, to your friends, there is no losing. And that's the thing, right? And so that's the one you just kind of bail on. But that's I'll never forget that throughout my career when it's just time to go and everybody's sitting there. And then, you know what I mean? And again, the other thing that's really addicting too is, and not addicting at the same token is when you lose. Like I said, the first thing you're doing is I'm not crying to myself. I lost. I lost. I'm running straight to my team. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm running to my family. I'm so sorry. I'm running to everybody in a little evil shirt. So I'm, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But never did I think, oh, I feel bad for myself. Poor me, poor me. That's an impossibility. But at the same token, when you get that win, all of a sudden, like I said, in that John Lewis fight, I went from being really crippled to, and I get teary-eyed and I still watch it. And right after I won, I'm up on the, in the crowd, you're just, I'm all of a sudden, and I cry all the time and I say, but the pain was gone. And I'm jumped up on the fence and I'm, you know what I mean? I'm like, so there's something to that. And you know what I'm saying? There's something to that. You know what I mean? Because you know, you just gave everybody for a moment. 
You know, I mean, you, you you put a smile on everybody's face. And that's what did me. That's what I did from the day I started wrestling when I was a kid. I just wanted to put a smile on my mom's face. I just wanted to put a smile on my brothers and my sisters. You know, I, mean, I want to put a smile on my coaches, my teammates, and all those parents that took care of me, that drove me to wrestling tournaments. My mother was too busy because my father was, you know, I mean, he was AFK. And, you know, and that was the only way. And so I did that all the way through my entire career because that's all I knew. And I knew that was the way that I was going to show everybody how much I love and appreciate it. It's actually funny, though, when you talk about like <laughs> when the when the lights turn on, you're like, oh, well, there's no backing out now. I always wondered if one day we would actually see someone just go, you know what, and head back to the locker room, right? Like literally just like, nah, I'm, I, I, I didn't want to do this. And I've always wondered that. And and it's actually funny because I, I did see a clip. It, it wasn't MMA. It was a boxing clip. I think I saw it last week. And I don't know what fight it was, but it literally was that. You know, the the two boxers got in the in the ring. Uh, the ref gave final instructions. They touched the gloves. They went back to their corner. You ready? You ready? The bell goes. The guy just goes, ducks between the ropes and walks back to the locker room, like straight away. And like, so so the guy actually won on a disqualification, with the, the, the other guy. And it was like one, I think it was like the official time was like one second. You know, like they literally timed That's it. That's crazy. Right? But like he literally just, I don't know what yeah. went through his mind. And he was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> straight under. Straight. Well, and that's it. Yeah, you know, and the and the crowd were all looking at him, and he's literally making that walk. It was like a walk of shame. Like he literally just walked straight through, yeah. and and all the crowd are like, "What's going on here?" You know, and he's just marched straight out the arena. Everybody's got that WTF look going, and yet nobody's talking. It is what it's what you know. But that's again, and that's why I'm such a fan of all these kids that do street beefs. And again, Wimp to Warrior. Why I was drawn to something like the Wimp to Warrior and stuff like that is because that is so hard to do, right? It's easier to sit there and talk about, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. How many thousands of people we know that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I will. They've got that mug at the bar. I'm going to be the next champion as they're smoking a cigarette, got another cigarette in their ear and they're drinking. And of course they're going to be the next one, but it's that accountability and it's the training. The training is what makes it so hard. And that's again, what I love about street beefs is a lot of these kids, they don't train. But they find out really fast, like, oh, my Lord, I'm so tired. And then especially when you have me being there as a mentor going, you know, if you and I tell everybody, if you do a just jog every day, three miles, do 25 air squats, three sets of 25 air squats, three sets of push-ups, three sets of sit-ups, and jump rope three three-minute rounds, you'll never, ever experience that a day in your life. But they have to find out really fast. But what I do love about it is, again, no negativity. I give try to give some positives. A couple of, you know, a couple of, okay, you know, do this and then uh, maybe one negative. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, but you need to work on this. But most time, what you did, getting in there in front of people, period. That is the hardest thing to do because of that accountability. So my hat's off to everybody that does do it. And that's why I'm a fan because that part is so hard. I know people that have trained and trained and won't come out of the locker room. Or, you know what I mean? Or the week of the fight, they just don't show up. All of a sudden, people are pulling out. They've got injuries. Especially back in the day when the sport wasn't that big. You never knew. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people still had full-time jobs. And then they were still showing up to do the fight. You go look at these, like, the, the mid-level and the smaller-level uh, shows. People pull out left and right because what happens is this. They're gangster with the idea until about a week up when they realize, 
this is about to really happen. I mean, this and he's going to be cameras. And he's actually been in training. I heard, oh my goodness! I now with especially with social media, and they, the other guys got videos, and you know, and they're like, well, I wasn't training that. Okay, you know what? <clears throat> I think, oh my god, I know I'm sick. I, I I know I'm sick. You know what I'm saying? So that's another thing is, and that's what I try to tell people is the fact that you can hold yourself accountable and you see and you went all the way out there and you seen it through. That's already the biggest win you can even fathom. You know what I'm saying? That you can even fathom. And that's what I love about these kids when they come do the street beefs and stuff is they show up and they have a smile on their face and they just kind of go out there and they're dirty and roughed up and they high five and they hug it off and they go sit down and they can't wait to do it again. It's like, we need to have this. This needs to be everywhere. People need to understand this stuff that there's a lot of fun in this. You know what I'm saying? When it's a game, it's a legitimate game. And when you have a referee and because it's exhibition, same thing with like went to where there's no reason for somebody to take a quote unquote beaten because it's, it's just an exhibition. Hey, you learn and come back. Obviously when you're fighting for money and you're at that pro level, there's a, there's a belt on the line or something. Yeah. You better choke me completely unconscious or at least hit me so hard. I'm half dead because otherwise don't you dare stop this thing. But when you're at that exhibition level, ease that up quite a bit. Ease that up. You know what I'm saying? Put the pads on them and let them just enjoy the idea of walking out there in front of people because that's scary enough as it is. And what do you think it is that draws so many people? Because like, not even in the in the martial arts sense, in the boxing, like I think there's, there's at least three or four organizations here as well where they put you through like a 12-week a camp and 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 then you have your exhibition boxing match right like what 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 do you think because like the thing is that i found amazing is that it's all walks of life now right it's not uh, it's not like thugs like that go okay i want to fight or whatever like you'll get you know ceos from major companies now going i want to i want to go into this boxing match like what do you think it is that draws so many people to as you say controlled violence well, because it's, since everybody, that's what you do. Even the little puppies rolling around smashing on each other. Little alpha males and she males. As we were growing up, who's the toughest kid in the schoolyard? Who did this? Who be careful of little Ricky? You know, no, I'm no real Ricky. I'm just using that name. Oh, little Ricky or little Toby or something, man. He's out there beating people up because he just happened to be the biggest kid. Or, you know what I mean? And he's he's got control of the tetherball. We can't do nothing. He's out there wrecking people in football or, you know what I mean? But there's, it's always been there. Fighting has been, since we were little, it's always been there. And to, I think the addicting thing is to learn how to, like I said, the day, if I, if I were to walk up to somebody and go, I'm telling you right now, you give me a, you give me a couple of weeks, I'll promise you it'll become a game. What? Fighting? I'm like, yes, in the right setting. Now, again, people that fight in, that, in the street and stuff, like I said, unless you're willing to defend, like me, I'll defend the elderly, I'll defend children, and I'll defend the innocent if they, if they need me to. But otherwise, I'm defending my family. And that that's a different deal, right? I'm, I'm ready to, I'm, I'm going to go out on my shield and somebody's going to go, somebody's probably going to get casketed. But, but what I'm saying is, you know that that was there. What I need people to understand is any of that other stuff, all this other just blowing it out the wind and stuff, holding yourself accountable. And I think that's what people love about it. You know what I mean? Is to be able to go out there and, and a lot of their friends are like, I can't believe you did that. And you just kind of get to go to that next level because you're like, I can't believe you just did that. And for the minute you get to be the, you know what I'm saying? You get to be the talk of the town. You get to be the moment. Like, I can't believe it. And now everybody wants, and again, I always say this all the time, especially in my stream, because it goes back to what I said in the beginning, where with Twitch, 
what helped me was what I missed more than anything when I retired was time. People giving me their time. I tell people, I tell people always, I say this, you're giving me your time. The single greatest gift in the world, time. Money can't buy it. We always wish we had more. And no matter what, we get to the end. We're like, oh, there's not enough. And so for the fact that people will give me their time and they will stand and wait in line for an hour, two hours, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's like, of course, I'm going to sit there the entire time. And so what I'm saying is now you go back to like we were talking about with the Wimpton Warrior or the Street Beef stuff is now people are walking up to go, man, high five. Oh, great job. Great job. And now see, I got goosebumps because that's what attracted me as a kid. My brother serving 55 years in prison because he didn't do that. He went out there and thugged his way into things and he and he did something completely different. But I wanted to be a role model for my baby brother. And I wanted to put a smile on my mother's face, not tears in her eyes. We've been through too much of this. But when people walked up to her and said, your kids did great today. Your kids wrestled amazing today. Jens, amazing job. Abel, great job. You know what I'm saying? That was addicting. People are there to give you their time. And that's what I love and why I'm addicted to my stream. And I tell them every day, the fact that you are in here giving me 30 seconds. Think about it again. I talk about it all the time is on, on the road where somebody might be broke down, a family sitting there on the side of the road in their vehicle and cars are just whipping, zipping, whipping, zipping by. No fault of their own. They just have their own agendas. They have their own lives and their own things to do. But you all of a sudden are put into a position where people will not only stop, but they'll wait just to tell you congratulations. That's an inc everybody should feel that at least once in their life. And I think that's what it is with the CEOs and with anybody is that people going up going, man, high five. I couldn't do what you just did. That was amazing. Oh my God. Unreal. And they will wait and give you their time. That, like I said, that's the one message I have learned throughout my entire career now and being retired and sitting here, like I said, podcast for you, a Twitch stream for me is people will come in and they give me their time. And that's why I tell them every day, thank you. I can't thank you enough. You know what I'm saying? I can't thank you all enough because that above everything else was what I was missing when I had to retire from fighting. And that is what I have received now that I started streaming as I'm on my third year and it's been, it's just been heaven sent that people just give me their time. And that's why I don't even turn on views. I have it at, I don't know how many people come in to watch because I don't care. Cause if one person goes into that chat room, then I'm spent, I'm like, Oh, hey, hey, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden you get to, but you see what I'm saying? How that can be addicting on all walks of life, all levels, but it takes you to go out there and do something that a lot of people won't do. They've always thought about doing, but they won't do because of that accountability and the fact you're out there by yourself and you do it. Well, it, you know it, what I'm it, it's the same with everything. I mean, it's kind of this podcast was the same thing. You know, I, I spoke, but as I said, it, it literally the, the idea was sparked. When was it? Four years ago? Must have been when you yeah, were here, it's right? It, it, it's been, yeah. and and I've always been saying I want to do a podcast. Years, been, and 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 it was like literally, it was literally, I guess the accountability, right? It, it, for for years, I've been going, I want to do it, I want to do it, I want to do it. But every time I came around to do it, I'd always be like, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, right? I've got work. I'm doing. I had all these excuses. Then COVID came about, <laughs> right? All of a sudden, yep. like work was yep. gone. So I guess I'm not busy anymore. 
Well, that right. I'm not busy anymore. Well, so that, all of, <laughs> no, well, that's it. Yeah, so well, all of a sudden, I had no excuses. And that's what I tell people. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what you tell people is this: is all it takes is if you just tell one person. And that's what I tell people on the stream. If you're going to start jogging, so I'll tell everybody, all right, start watching Instagram. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, because if I don't post a video, I'll post one every day when I'm out there running. And I start having people coming in going, did you run today? I go, did you see it? They're like, yeah, I seen that you ran today. But what I'm saying is all it takes is one or two people and you just let a couple people know. Now all of a sudden there's the accountability. Now you're accountable because now you have, now like, did you do it? And how many times you want to tell them, nah, man, I let, oh no, I let them down, right? It's bad when you do it, when you keep it inside and keep it to yourself, there's no accountability. So you can fail or do whatever you want. But the minute you let people know, hey, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Oh no, I'm starting tomorrow. And then they come back and they go, see, you got to find the right people again that are giving you their time. Hey, did you do it? No, I, no, not today. And then all of a sudden you see them again a couple of days, like, did you do it? You know what? I, I actually, I did this, 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 and then you almost, you can't wait to tell them or some people kind of go, no. And now I need to avoid you because you're making me think about something that I'm too scared to do, or I was just, I'm procrastinating, or I really don't want to do it because I thought about it. I was talking about it. And now all of a sudden it's like, I don't want to do it. So then, you know what I mean? Then you kind of tend to avoid it, but that's what I mean is when, you, but it's something, if it's something you're passionate about and something that you love, and that's what I tell everybody is just go chase your passion, what you're passionate about. And if you can even just do that for two hours a day, then you've got 22 hours of the day, no matter what the grind is, it's all worth it to help you do your passion for two hours, right? And that's what I wish for anybody, but it's that accountability. When a coach would take the time to write out my workout for the entire week, I would follow it until, and just like what you learned on Wimp to Warrior, the accountability of you have to be here at this time. Heck, half the time I didn't want to get up. Me and cousin Jimmy, we trying to walk down the street to go to the gym to start coaching everybody. But I was like, you know what? They're all going to be there. So the accountability is there. And I'm not going to be the one that's not going to teach them. I got it. Ironically, I'd have to open up the dang door, but you know what I'm saying? So I guaranteed I was showing up. And that's again, if you just tell a couple of people, look, this is my plan. And this is what I plan on doing. And then if, 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 you know what I'm saying? If your word is worth anything, then you start doing it. And you can only put it off so many times. And like I said, some people, they just vanish. And they started with an idea and then they, they, they were just gone. Other people, they get an idea, they get their passion, and you just see them, nothing is going to stop them from what they're doing. Nothing is going to keep them from achieving what they were after. And so finding a, a fine line in between or something like that is also a good point, yeah? Do you, do you find that it's strangers that keep you accountable? No? I got a technical difficulty, but we're working on it, I think. Um, do you, do you, can I hear you? Yeah, I, can you hear me? So I can see you. Oh, now I can hear you. Yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah. You there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was saying, do you, do you find that it's... Oh, there you are. Do I you, got you. Do, you yeah. do you find that it's strangers that keep you accountable? Because like there's a there's a there's a meme that goes around, and sometimes I do feel that a little bit where they're like, you know, um, your your biggest detractors or biggest haters is someone that you know, yet your biggest supporter is someone you've never met. Well, I had what I do get is a lot of okay. So when I started doing this, I had somebody teach me. They built it right. If you build this, they will come, and. 
um, seven Thomas and and you know and Sean, they helped me and they built this. They built this stream. They helped me build it. And again, well, the other thing was my goal in life was to learn how to build my own PC. I'm the biggest wannabe quote unquote nerd ever, and I just want I want to be able to build my own PC. So I'm literally streaming off my first ever PC that I built. It took me a little longer than most, but that's all right. It took me a little longer than most, but that's all right. But my point is, and I said, here's the deal. If you take the time to help me do this, I'll show up. And it's like I said, it's just like a coach or anybody else. If they took the time to give me that workout for the whole week, I'm going to follow it to a T. So now all of a sudden when I'm quote unquote my own boss, ideally, right? And I have to show up. Nobody's making me stream. Nobody's going to tell me I can or can't stream or whatever. You know what I mean? My wife will give me that funky look and I'm like, ah, you know what I mean? But that's because you respect them. You know what I'm saying? Or you're, or those people will be like, hey man, we built all this. So you just going to let it go to waste, you know? And you don't ever want to do that. But now when it comes to, but like you're about to get to the anonymity of it all, there are people that come in the chat. I have, I know who their, whatever their gamer tag is, or you know what I'm saying? But even that, that's still that's still a person behind that. Give me the time. And when they start hitting you with those messages, yo, man, you know, I really enjoyed it. It's helped so much dealing with I've been going through this, I've been dealing with that. And now all of a sudden you realize that what you're doing actually has value to other people. And it that, you know what I'm saying? Because you always have the fire of the naysayer. Oh, you're gonna get your butt kicked. You could never do this, you'll never do this. Like I said, you gotta have that proverbial middle finger to someone or something, right? It, anxiety is my middle finger. I'm because I'm always second guessing myself. I'm always doubting myself, right? And I got to give that anxiety middle finger because all it takes are one or two genuine people that come into chat. Yo, what you said did this, and that's just like dumping fuel into the race car. You just want to take off. So yeah, the people that you've never met in your life, again, like I said, they're giving you their time. A complete stranger is giving you their time. Like I said, go watch somebody. Go break down on the side of the road and see how many cars are going to whip by you. See how many are going to be gone. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you'll get lucky and that one person will stop. But the majority of it is you're going to be sitting there for a while till you call one of your partners and they come get you. You know what I'm saying? But the fact that even if they're under an anonymous name or whatever, you know what I mean? But they're still in there talking to you. I tell them all the time, I go, there is nothing there is nothing cooler than that, that people are willing to give me their time. And so, yeah, that's the accountability that I'm looking for. That's what allows me, you know, how they always say it takes one negative. It takes 99 good things to destroy one negative. And even now I'm still learning because I'll focus and they teach me all the time. My wife's always, I can hear, don't you do it. She can hear it upstairs. I get a little, because I'm loud, but like one person will come in and say something negative, one anonymous individual. And for some reason that can literally piss into my Cheerios and funk up the fact that 140 other people are saying the coolest things in the world. And I'm focused on that one thing because it takes 99, right? So every day is learning. It, to, even to this day, you're still learning. But I think what it is, and I get it, is because I'm nervous about being on this camera. Every day I I got to convince myself to turn this damn thing on every day. You got to do this. You got to do this. All right. Well, you know what I mean? And so when I do turn it on, it's like, all right, I'm running on thin ice. I don't need your, it's like, if I'm out there fishing, I don't need you throwing rocks at my bobber jackass. I'm out there trying to fish and hopefully catch something. I don't need you doing this, but you get in there and it's like, oh my God. Then someone says something. It's like, I knew it. That one person saying, I knew this was going to happen. And then you're like, everything takes over. So you got to learn. It's like, man, 
you know, my friend, uh, my friend here, I got it. I got it. I'm going to find it. You can ask a question, but he hits me with it. And I don't remember where it was, but, and I said, I love my boy Snoopy. He sits there with me. He helps with everything. And it was something like this. He said, basically say you have $86,450. You know what I mean? Sitting there and someone just stole 12 bucks. Are you literally going to throw the rest of the money away to go chase that POS for the $12? And I was going, oh my God. You know, you have 86,000 so many seconds in a day and somebody just kicked, you know what I'm saying? Someone just kicked you with 12 seconds of their time. Are you really going to throw away the other 86,000 because of that 12 seconds? Well, there for a while, hell yes. But then you, when you put it that way, you know what I'm saying? When you put it that way, you're like, I don't like you smart people. <laughs> I like it where I, I like being the emotion based dude. I don't like people like my wife that are, they're, they're way too smart. And they, they think with patience and, and, and you know what I mean? And, and a conscious, I'm like, well, yeah, now, now I do look bad when you put it that way. So hopefully again, so I like it because it's where I can have people. It's a great platform for me as I'm sitting here learning and, and you know, I mean, these are the things I'm trying to do to pass on that knowledge and let people know it's not just you, it's everybody. You know what I mean? And then you've got people out there that that's all they want to do. They just want to get a reaction out of you anyway. Right? Like there's so many people out there that they'll just well, jump on literally from, from one platform to another and they won't know anyone. They'll just, get on there and, and give their two cents. And literally, they might not even believe in their two cents. It's literally to to trigger a reaction. A lot of people do that. They can't, okay. For so, trolls. Yes, and I got to get, okay. So here's the credit. So it's Denzel Washington, and, and, he, and he tweeted this. And so my friend Sean took this picture and he said, if you had $86,400 and someone stole $60, would you throw away 86340 for revenge? or move on and live. Each of us have 86,400 seconds every day. Don't let someone's negative 60 seconds ruin the remaining 86,340. Life is bigger than that and so are you. And I'm like, I, so I, I keep that and I keep that and I, I keep that in my mind and it, it, it hit home I'm like, yeah. So that's the one thing, having all these positives in there and don't let one jack wagon, especially in an anonymous name, come in and poke at you. Because what I've learned here's and this is like I said, if I have this will be my mic drop moment here. Right. Here. But when and this is what I've learned in being, quote unquote, famous. And this is and I'll tell this to anybody. Ten people. And most of the time, I three or four, I, jo I, I jostle between this. But I, I usually go about four people want to walk in there and knock that smile off your face. They don't care why you're smiling. They don't give a, they don't care. They just know they're not smiling and they'll do whatever they can to knock you. They'll just knock off your shine. They're going to take your shine from you. And then you'll have four more, four more that are looking at you going, hey, nice job, but behind your back are flipping you off, going, man, where's mine? How come I don't get that? Why don't I get that? F him. It's so easy for him. Oh, yeah. Easy for you to say, you've got all this and you can do this, so F you. But they're high-fiving you like, hey, man, love you. You're awesome. You know what I'm saying? And then you'll have two. 
And I'm being damn near generous when I say two. You'll have two out of those 10 that are happy for you just because you're smiling. They don't care about any other reason. They just see that you're smiling and they're glad to see it. And they just, and they love you for it. And if you think about that, that's what fame taught me. That's literally what being quote unquote famous taught me was that. And so it's every day now as I pass on this knowledge, that's why I'm telling everybody, man, they're like, hey, are you coaching? Are you going to be doing this? I'm like, yeah, every day I turn on this stream, I'm your life coach. You pop in here, we're watching MMA, but we're just chatting. We're breaking things down. You ask me about fights, I'll give you the best knowledge in the world. I'm like, where else are you going to have a former UFC lightweight world champion or a world champion, a UFC world champion breaking down fights and giving you knowledge for other than the only cost? The price of admission is time, your time. That's it. Because that's all that me. That's what it means to me, and that's and it helps me learn, and it helps me understand, and above all, it helps me focus on the two that are giving me their time, and stop focusing on the eight that have really that can really just knock you shine right, and can really turn things and make it go a different direction. So that's literally what I've learned throughout my entire career, throughout being quote unquote famous or popular, whatever you want to call it. That. That is my that is my mic drop. And I, you know, what I mean, so I'm on the stream and that's how I'm gonna teach people. I'm gonna teach people that every day. We're gonna sit there and talk about it. I'm not good at it. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning, but isn't that life? Life's all about leveling up. And as long as we're leveling up, that's how we get there. And now the last thing I wanted to kind of uh kind of poke at as well is is the UFC. Um Obviously, you at the start you you saying now you're you're taking over their Twitch stream and stuff like that. So you're obviously still on good terms with with the UFC. Yeah, no, I've never been on bad terms with the UFC. It's just like for me was you know I mean my career was over. I mean you got to think about it. They let me stick around. I'm the one that went on that losing streak. I lost. Man, I ended up losing like. 10, like people seen that I had, they go, you have 19 losses. Yeah, but I think like 12 of them are literally at the end of my career because I was just trying to figure out what was going on. I was trying to, I was on this losing streak, but just in the WEC, UFC alone, six fights. I mean, they let me, and they were like, dude, are you going to be able to figure this out? Are you going to be able to, can you, you know, what's going on with you? And, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things that when the sport was blowing up, I was on a, I, I lost. You know what I'm saying? They, they, but they did everything they could to keep me around. You know what I mean? I got the pioneer. I got to become the, you know, the UFC world champion. I get to be the godfather of the little, the lightweight division and all the little guys, you know, and stuff like that. And so I've had a lot of fun with them, you know, and it's just, I don't know. It, it, I, I've I, always, I, you know, I, I, I guess the reason I'm asking is, you know, like, I mean, the, the, there was a whole campaign about it with, with the whole induction thing, right? And every, uh, and every single person that you ask will 100% say, like, what is going on, right? I don't. And and and, 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 so, and 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 so my thing there is is like I kind of feel like have the UFC kind of got it in for you. But then on the same token, as you said earlier on this podcast, you're now in projects together with them. So it's like okay, well they can't they can't like have something against you because otherwise they wouldn't want to work with you. So what is going? I guess that's the angle I'm kind of coming at. Is like why the snub there? Like what have you had words with them because? Maybe I no, maybe I tarnished it. Like everybody was saying, you know, you're going to tarnish your your legacy with all these losses holding on too long at the end. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? That's not. I'm not tarnishing my legacy because the legacy is that. I'm the guy who literally fought for free. 
I fought for videotape. I fought people that were 200 and some odd pounds. I fought anything and everything just to make the 155 pound division. I can show it to you. And that's the first thing I did when I did the UFC stream and I got to go through the UFC fight pass. I brought back and told the entire story up until that fight with BJ Penn. I don't know if I'm because... You know, I, I left and the, the weight division and the weight disappeared for a couple years and then it came back. I don't know. You know what I mean? But I know this, no matter what it is, every year it comes up and every year the fans bring up my name and every year it breaks my heart that I can't give them that smile. It breaks my heart that I can't give them that. You know what I mean? But at the same token, it's like, I don't know. And because it, it gets like, it's getting to that point. Maybe I do deserve to be in there because I, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to sell myself. That's just, that's whack. That's no, weak, no, no. And I'm right? not asking you to I do that. I, I, I just thought maybe, I, I just thought that no. maybe they had it in for you. But then as I say, like then when you're doing these projects, they obviously don't have it in for you. It just makes no sense. Cause, and I understand what you're saying about the, the, the losses. Right. But I mean, look, I look at Anderson Silva right now, right? His last couple of years haven't been great. Right. Same thing. Same thing. I guarantee it's you. What you I guarantee you, he's going to be in there. Yeah. Oh, dude, he's probably in there. Like, and then you've had fighters that are still fighting and they're in there. You know what I mean? They they were still fighting and they're in there. And I love this. So this is what does happen. And again, I love this. But every year it happens, and every year people are like, what did you do? What have you done to these people? And I'm being serious. I get asked more than you can ever fathom. It's like, what have you done to this? I don't know. Maybe that's the game. Maybe that's maybe somebody. I don't know who would be doesn't. I don't know. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's like what my wife said. Well, now it'd just be charity. You know, so it is what it is. You are who you are. And you know what I mean? The name is out there. And the fact that, again, people give me their time and they chime in on that conversation and people say, where is he? And it's gotten to the point where they're like, what have you done? I don't know what else I've done other than, like I said, a negotiation that wasn't through no fault of me. I was, I, I have a manager and they, you, people do what they do. And I just, you know what I mean? I do what I'm told, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. And like I said, maybe it was the losses. I'm not sure. But what I do know above everything else is I love and appreciate everybody that every year when this happens goes, what about gents? What about gents? And I can't thank you all enough. It means the world to me that people do that. And you know what? Maybe one day when it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But my life is going to move on. And I'm still, no matter what, I'm still the godfather of the lightweight division. I still have a story. I still have the story of what I created, what I went through. And like I said, I love the fact that I get to do things with the UFC. Like if I've ever, and it, again, because I, I, I can call Dana or, well, I can't call Dana, but I, Brian Butler, my manager, he can call and say, Hey, Jens was going to come to the fights. And they, and I get, and they're like, yeah, of course, if you know what I mean? And, and so there's all this friendship. There's all this love. Don't get me wrong. I, there's no hatred. That's why I don't know what it is. I, it's almost like, man, just throw me in. So people stop asking, or I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? But I show up and then now I'm, I'm having the time of my life doing the UFC stream. I'm having, you know what I mean? But that's again, the Twitch TV UFC stream is the UFC fight pass. ESPN and them own the UFC. So even I'm limited to what I can watch on the from the UFC fight pass. You know what I'm saying? I can watch fight, but they can I'd be so old because now that that's ESPN footage for a certain amount of time first, right? So again, you know, 
I don't know, but all I can say is I love and appreciate everybody that's ever brought up my name and that feel like I deserve it. And maybe one day, you know, maybe, I mean, maybe one day, you know, Pete Rowe is still late in baseball. So it is what it is, I guess. I I, I, <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't think it's a baby. I haven't met a single soul. Like, let, let's flip it on its head. I haven't met a single soul that has told me that, no, you don't deserve to be there. Not one. I haven't met one person. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, As a and, and, pioneer, and yeah. That, that, that's what I'm saying. I haven't met a single soul, like even uh, someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. No one's actually come to me and said, actually, he doesn't deserve to be there for X, Y, and Z. It just, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But I, I, yeah, as I said, I just wanted to kind of like ask, like, has there been discussions in the background? Like, do you know? Because like, it just makes no sense to me. But uh, yeah, it wasn't to like ruffle any feathers or whatever. And no, and, no, no, there's and, no, and, no, there's no ruffle. I love yeah. it all. There's no ruffle at all. At all. No, there's no ruffle at all. It's and it, no, it's I appreciate it and appreciation. And I did sit down with Daniel one time because you know, and I love my manager. You know, Brian Butler. I love him to death. I love him. And he just, um, you know, and he's, it's like he, he, we flew out there and we talked, it's like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We'll do this. We're going to do this. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, great. You know, but again, at some point, it's kind of like, he, he, like my wife says, oh, heck no, there ain't no begging. At this point, it would almost be charitable. So don't just stop. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I'm so, I'm always trying to, I'm really careful because again, I, I tell everybody, if you, if you're a badass, if you're running around telling everybody you're a badass, odds are you're not a badass. But if other people are sitting there going, dude, that guy's a badass, then you're a badass, right? And so that's what I'm saying is, and that's all I can do is thank everybody so much. I can't, I mean, I love and appreciate it. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It makes me kind of just sit back. I'm like, I don't know, but the fact that you're still real. Now remember, and I know I'm going to get the, I know I'm going to get the music wrong. And I, man, I got to look it up. So I got to get better at this and uh, glorious. And, but what he says in there, and I don't even want to quote it because I'm wrong. And, um, I, but I have the song. I just want to go through the whole damn thing right now. But he said, like he said, I heard you die twice. The first time when they bury you in the grave and the second time when nobody mentions your name. And I hold on to that. I hold on to that every day. And as long as people, you know what I mean? I'll always be relevant because I'll always be the first ever UFC lightweight champion, the guy who created it. And, you know, I take a lot of pride in that. And, and I'm very happy with that. And like I said, at the end of the day, with all the stream and everything that I'm done, if my kids are ever in trouble and I got to be careful, cause like I'll cry real fast when it comes to talking about my family. But, um, you know, one day down the road, if my kids are ever in trouble and somebody walks up to them and helps them out and goes, dude, your dad did this for me. He doesn't even know it. And I just want to do this for you. Then it'll all be worth it. It'll all have been worth it. That's real. That's real. But anyway, look, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, I, I, I did want to, you know, uh, as I said, it was important for me to get you, A, because I missed having conversations with you. Uh, but B, as I said, I kind of feel like you were there for the beginning of this 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 journey of mine. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I do want to wrap up for the end of the year now. We've got Christmas coming up and, and New Year. So I am going to wrap it up and call it a season at, at some point. And I was like, but before I did, I wanted to make sure I had you on the first season, so to speak. Um, obviously, I'll probably get you on season two at some point as well. But um, look, 
for 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 people that want to uh, reach out to you and stuff like that, what what's the best way? Like, and do you just do the Twitch streams now, or are you still actively playing video games? What's your gamer tag? You know, like, uh, what what what's the games that they can catch you on? What, yeah, so people wanting to reach out to you, what's the best kind of way? Uh, well, ironically, I'm still a little too scared to game on the stream. I'm not really known as a gamer, but I still play. Like me and my son, we'll play some Fortnite. I play in Call of Duty. I, I got to get back in the world. Like, where was this back in my Grand Marshal days when I was grinding to Grand Marshal as the rogue when Matt Hughes was fighting Hoist Gracie? And I'm like, I can't go. I'm gaming. I got to finish up this grind first, you know, kind of thing. But I still play video games. Yeah, you can catch me there. But I'm streaming pretty much. I have the times where I try to take Tuesday, Wednesdays off and, and be with the family. But so more or less Thursday, 8 p.m. Central Time every day. I'm on Twitch TV slash Jens Pulver. You can go back and watch the odd, you know, the old VODs. Um, and my other big one that I love more than anything is Instagram. I deleted my I deleted my first account. I had, I don't know, back in the day I had almost a hundred thousand. Like this was a long time ago and I deleted it. Like, ah, I'm tired of this social media stuff. And then I rebuilt it and it's now it's my favorite. So um, it's just at Jens Pulver on, on Instagram. That's my boo. That's my red. I love that thing. And, you know, thank you. Um, you know, I got, I finally got verified on this one too. So thank you so much, Mark Coleman. Bellator stepped in. Ironically, Bellator stepped in and, and helped me out. So thank you very much for that. So I got the, uh, you know, I got uh, verified again on, on instagram and that's my boo literally at jens pulver on instagram uh, well, that's how you and i were just talking so if you really want to catch me you catch me on the gram or you catch me live on the stream like tonight as i'm sitting here i may pop it on i may i don't know i haven't decided yet but i try to take one day out because i talk a lot and you can also check me out twitch tv slash ufc um this weekend coming up i'm not sure when you'll play this but with ufc 256 coming on we'll be on on friday um you know, and then we'll do Saturday morning. I mean, we'll Saturday we'll be doing the fight companion for two fifty six, and then back on again Twitch TV slash UFC on Monday. So I'll be on Jens Pulver on Sunday, and then back and forth. But easy way to find me, all three. Well, there we have it. I cannot thank you enough. As I said, like I, I really do appreciate the time. I really wanted to make sure that I got you on. Um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't say it often enough i i think they need to uh induct you uh i also think that you're a, a wealth of knowledge so for anyone that does want to reach out and stuff I, I i i suggest they do because as i say you you you've always got great stories you've got the knowledge um and i know that you're really good at connecting with people also um but on that note we are going to finish it up for today and uh until next time that is it I'm a way, I'm a way, way.